For all your swimming pool needs in the greater Houston, Texas area, whether you need a new pool, repairs, remodels, regular service, inspections, Heritage Pools does it all. Give them a call today at 281-896-5061. Howdy, 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 and welcome to the Red Dirt Aggie Show. This is uh, in place of our normal Thursday sports-focused episode, but we are going to talk some music today, too. And uh, I apologize for the delay in the release. I've been sick all week, if you can't tell by my voice. Maybe you can. Maybe you can't. I don't know. But I'm here with uh, my good friend, former Reed Rowdy's president, and... uh, should I say basketball expert, Joey Mungo? Uh, I'll, I'll take the basketball expert, <laughs> you know. I, I like to call it like I see it, and that makes me an expert, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, why not? Why not? <laughs> so uh, we'll start. Um, the last episode, uh, a lot's happened since our last episode. Um, it was a preview of the, the Kentucky game, I believe is where we left off. And uh, so we've got to recap that. We've got to talk about that big win at Auburn. And then, of course, um, last night's game as well. So uh, we'll start We'll start with um, Kentucky. What did you see in that Kentucky game, Joey? Um, you know, it, at certain points it felt like it was our game to win. But I felt like for like maybe 65% of the game, it, was, it just felt like too much of a game for us. And... Yeah, we were just not very good shooting the ball, and the the refs. I, I you, you know, you look at the the free throws after the game. Yeah, and it's pretty even. But if you watch the game, you realize like some crazy stuff happened, like that didn't get called, and and it it was mind boggling to see that because it, it felt like we should have gotten a few more calls in very crucial moments. Yeah, it's just it's just the way it goes. You know, SEC officiating can <laughs> can be questionable sometimes with basketball especially uh, in favor of certain blue bloods. <laughs> That's how our main name yeah. is. <laughs> I mean, no shame losing away in Rupp Arena, though. I mean, it's a tough place to play. And Kentucky, you know, it's a down year for them. But there's always going to be a tough opponent, especially at home. So well, that's the thing they've they've kind of they kind of have gotten gotten going again too. I mean, they're playing a lot better than they were at the beginning of the year, and um, they had really. That's usually what Calipari does, though. Yeah, I know they had, and of course they had just started to catch fire right before they they played us. <laughs> we couldn't yeah. have got them earlier in the year when they were still figuring things out. But um, yeah, we haven't won in Rupp Arena in like ten years. But um, I think it's since our first season in the SEC. Yeah, it was something like that. I think, uh, yeah, I think so, 2013. Uh, and that's that's crazy to think about. And you think, you know, in that time, we beat them in Reed Arena quite a few times, you know, um, twice when I was a student. Um, so it's uh, it's doable. They're, they're a team that we can take down. And I guarantee if we played them in Reed uh, – the result might have been different. Oh, 100%, especially with the crowds we're pulling at Reed these days. 
Yeah, and Kentucky always pulls a good crowd anyway. So I imagine what the crowds are pulling now, if Kentucky uh, came in, I mean, it, that place would be, we might be looking at a record crowd <laughs> like we saw. Um, I can't remember if it was last year or 2021, we actually broke the attendance record against Kentucky. Uh, with yeah, like 14, it's 000. a shame we don't have Kentucky coming to town this year, but we do have Tennessee and Alabama coming out later in the year, so oh, yeah. maybe some potential for more record-breaking crowds. Oh, yeah. Get to read, pack read, right? For Rock sure. Read. <laughs> All right, one more comment about the refs. I still don't know what happened here, but do you remember in the game where we had the double uh, flavorant fouls on Coleman and Sheboy? Oh, yes, Oscar Sheboy, so, of course. After flagrance, you get the ball, don't you? Or like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a foul and the ball. Yeah, but if it's a double flagrant, then what happens? <laughs> well, what it should offset, right? And the ball should just go to whoever deserved the ball at the end. Oh yeah, based off of but possession. they gave Kentucky the ball again. Well, oh yeah, that is it. I never. Um... And I never I was, noticed that the first time around. I was but that's so true. confused because originally we thought there was a foul on the shot, but they didn't call a foul on the shot because no one shot free throws, like regular free throws after that. Yeah. And like I think the rest completely screwed that situation up. Like, I mean, it was just stuff like that was just like mind boggling to me. Like maybe I'm wrong on the rules, but Maybe because it was a flagrant that occurred foul? on the shot. I'm th- the only reason I can think is it's a flagrant that occurred on the shot. But then in that case, shouldn't there have been extra free throws for Kentucky as well? No, exactly. There wasn't the extra free throws. and then But they just gave Kentucky the ball back. Like, okay, yeah, you both get flagrants, but... Um, but we're giving the ball back to Kentucky. <laughs> but we're giving the ball back to Kentucky, not A&M. So, like, we... I mean, not that it was a one-possession game, but, you know, that stuff doesn't matter in my opinion, like it all dictates, you know, how you play each possession, the mindset, uh, you know, going into possession, knowing you're down so-and-so and plus she is just like, I lost all respect for him. Like I used to actually be a fan of his, but yeah, he showed he's a dirty player last game. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, Joey Joey could be credited with uh, the creation of our meme that we that we tweeted and we replied to the Barstool the A and M Barstool account with it as well and then uh, because of that a lot of Kentucky fans found our meme and uh, they didn't seem to understand it is what was really funny. <laughs> um, yeah, you know he he's he's a grouch because he's throwing elbows. Yeah, Oscar Everywhere. the Grouch. I mean, I, and, I don't, I don't uh, see how you don't get it. He, he's, he's pretty trash at basketball, too. Like, he wouldn't even have that good of a game statistic-wise, and he hasn't really had a good a great year statistically either, so. Well, that's the thing. He, so he, um, he so, was so mad because he wasn't the, playing the, the well. The meme works multiple ways. I will say that. <laughs> the what works multiple ways? The meme works multiple ways. Yeah. He's grouchy, and he's actually trash at basketball nowadays. Yeah, I mean, during, during that game, he he was not playing well. He's frustrated, and then what happens? You know, he he throws a forearm to the face. <laughs> he did it multiple times. Yeah, and he's done this in the past. Wild. <laughs> he has a track record of this. And I uh, still remember at fourth grade recess, uh, one of the the teachers, she's we we were getting way too aggressive during you know pick up basketball at recess. You know you know how it goes in fourth grade, right? Oh yeah. Impressive. And 
some of the kids were starting to really throw elbows and she she i guess played either high school or college basketball at some level so she came in here and kind of showed us some fundamentals and was like i better not see this kid otherwise you're not playing basketball yeah so she was your first experience with learning what a flagrant foul is <laughs> exactly like this is stuff you, well, you should be, be learning an elementary school level basketball which i'm sure he played it to at some level in elementary school maybe being being who he is but yeah. it's unacceptable to see that at the college level yeah yeah they should just ban him from the sport right no i'm just kidding but well, uh, I, I expect that out of one of coach k's players but not calipari <laughs> oh oh goodness Grayson Allen, much. <laughs> yeah, he murdered Caruso last season. Do you see that? Yeah, yeah. Remember that? Oh my goodness, get him out of here! I hate those guys. Yeah, which we uh, we stand Caruso here on the show. By the way, he's he's actually my favorite um, Aggie basketball player of all time. He was before he became a meme. To just say, just putting that out there. <laughs> he was never a meme. He was always a good player, even in the NBA. He was just a meme because people didn't realize they'd see the highlights and not realize he's actually good. <laughs> Yeah, or that he's, like, not old because <laughs> he was bald. Everyone thought he was, like, an old guy in the G League, but he's, like, I'm one of the youngest players. <laughs> uh, I, I still remember being talking with Billy Kennedy. This was um, the year after Caruso left. Yeah. And he was a rookie. And we were talking with Billy about, you know, Caruso's potential rookie season and how he thinks Caruso will do. And Billy Kennedy was like, yeah, I think he'll have a better rookie season than Lonzo Ball. And Lonzo got drafted, like, what, third overall, second overall to the Lakers? Yeah. And, so uh, it, that was a, a funny conversation. Now, I think Lonzo had the better rookie year, but Caruso's doing pretty well for himself nowadays. Oh, yeah. Anyways. No, I mean, he's he's uh, he's somewhat, somewhat of a star. I mean, he's kind of become, yeah. like, you know, in his role. And, Sorry, uh, not trying to get us distracted and off track. Oh, no, it's a podcast. I mean, there's no real track. <laughs> yeah. I just kind of go where we go. Um, but, yeah, back back to the Kentucky game. Um, looking looking back, I mean, we it was really close at halftime. You know, we actually had the lead at halftime by two. And then it really felt like that first half was a really close match. And it was the second half where things started to fall apart. There was a couple of questionable officiating calls and then I feel like we just kind of lost momentum near the end yeah we were we, we just couldn't get it done and you know sometimes that happens and this is kind of a streaky team as 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 we'll see as we go into the next game and the game after uh we're, we're very streaky this year I think we're gonna have to deal with that and the the heartbreak and frustrations that come with that well, the um, the thing with us being streaky, too, is uh, the thing that's very streaky is our shooting. You know, we either have, like, a night where we're on fire shooting for the field or we're not. But what saves us a lot of times is the effort, the rebounding, and the hustle plays and the defense that Buzz tends to preach. <laughs> and that's what keeps oh, yeah. games close when we don't have the best shooting night. Like, I don't know. Uh, I think that's what kept us in the Vanderbilt game is we didn't panic. <laughs> For sure, yeah. But we'll get to that in a little bit because we still got to talk about um, that Auburn game, that big win on the road that uh, happened uh, back on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night. And um, looking, 
looking at that, I mean, we didn't just win that game. We we kind of dominated that game. I mean, it was it was impressive. A uh, seventy nine to sixty three win. And um, looking at that, you wouldn't know that we trailed by quite a bit to start the game. Uh, actually, starting off, and then we had this huge surge to end the half, where we're up forty five thirty at halftime. And uh, another interesting little fact that SEC Network tend tended to love up until that Vanderbilt game last night, we hadn't given up uh, more than 30 points to any opponent, any SEC opponent in the first half. Uh, of course, that fell apart last night, but just something. Yeah, shout, out, shout out to Florida, who we held the 12 <laughs> quite a few, a few games ago. That was, that oh yeah, I was at that game. I was at that game and that was, let me tell you, it was, uh, it was kind of a rough, like offensive outing for both teams in that first half. Like that was yeah. just like a slug fest. You know, when you when you win, um, what was it? I think we won that one in the 50s. Yeah, it was 54 to 52. That's that's a defensive slugfest there. <laughs> yeah. No, the defense has been really good this year. and Yeah. It, it's something that, that really helps you out as games go on because, you know, it's, when you're playing tough defense, the other teams have to work harder on offense too just to, you know, mentally break you down and, and physically get through, you know, tough tough uh tough defense and you know we play physical we play real physical you know you don't want to be running into guys like marble and coleman and, and radford those are sturdy guys to run into yeah and then uh when, when our defense plays uh solid like they always do and then we decide to have one of those like nights where we can really shoot we're really capable of beating anyone and that's what happened against uh auburn you had boots who had 30 points um and another thing with this team too is we're we're pretty solid from the free throw line, which is not something uh in past years that Aggie basketball has been able to say. Um especially pre Buzz Williams. <laughs> yeah, I just looking at the, the Auburn and Kentucky game, we missed four free throws in Auburn and none against Kentucky, which is what you like to see. Yeah, no, you don't wanna they're they're called free throws and you want them to be free, <laughs> as they say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the leadership of, uh, Boots, of Tyrese Radford this year, he's, has been, uh, incredible to see. He's really, um, turned into more of a scorer this year, I think, than last year. He, and he's still putting in the effort on the boards and playing solid defense as well. Uh, yeah, but it, it always blows my mind that he's six foot two because of how many rebounds he gets. Yeah, and he plays like he's six foot six, six foot seven. Like he, he plays like he's Savion flag size, kind of. Yeah, like he looks, and he just looks big. Like I, I thought he, he was taller until they were like, he's only six two, and I was like, there's no way that fool is four inches shorter than me. <laughs> like Admon Gilder was six three. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like, we're just comparing like other Aggie basketball players and Aggie. I could not see Admon Gilder playing the same way that Boots did. Admon was a great player. Yeah, like, and, uh, you know, but Boots, um, again, 30, 30 points, nine rebounds, uh, and two assists in 37 minutes against Auburn. So it's like, not, I mean, that, that's a long time. He played almost the whole game, too, you know, like, he's an effort guy for sure. Somebody you want to yeah. have out there. And he can play the guard, but he can also play um, forward, too, if you need him to. Yeah, he can play one through four. It's awesome to yeah. have that kind of flexibility and to put different kinds of lineups and different looks out there to, you know, really give opponents a lot to handle in different situations and have to adapt 
how they play and guard all five players on the court. Yeah, because if uh, if Wade Taylor ever gets into um, the foul trouble too, Radford is perfectly capable of um, of handling the ball as well, and you'll see Buzz do that a lot when uh, Taylor's on the bench. Usually Radford handles the ball going up the court because he's a good passer as well. Yeah, I say in Gordon a little bit, even though I don't really like Gordon. <laughs> well, dang, just tell it like it is. <laughs> Listen, if you have the initials AG on this specific team, I don't like you. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to Andergrit and Garcia in a second, you know. He frustrates me, but... Uh, I'll, I'll say some more about him. Maybe a little he had six boards against Auburn, though. I mean, solid game against Auburn. Two for three from the field, seven points, and six boards. Yeah, but he just does stupid stuff. <laughs> Constantly. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. But, you know, sometimes you got those guys that frustrate you. I remember, I remember when we used to have uh, DJ Hogue. He was one of those guys who either had, like, an amazing game or, you know, an off game. <laughs> But, uh, and uh, he was in my speech class. Fun fact. <laughs> I think we all know he's in your speech class right every time you mention him. <laughs> yeah, just thought I'd throw that fun fact out there. Um, shout out DJ Hogue if you're listening to this from whatever country you're playing basketball in. I know he played internationally for a little bit. Um, he's, he's still, I think, playing internationally. I forget. Isn't he? I think so. Yeah, who, like, who was I somewhere. No, I was looking up JJ Chandler the other day where he was playing. Oh really? Where's he at? I forget. He's somewhere in Europe. I know. I, I know. Gilder played internationally too. Um, a lot of our guys that don't um, go pro are able to go play internationally for a little bit. Well, I guess it's still pro that don't go to the NBA. Oh, he's he's in the Swiss league. See, I, see, like if I was a college basketball player that was good enough to play pro in an international league. You know, I would do it. It would be cool. You could go, like, travel, play, live in another country for a little bit, make some money playing basketball. I mean... You probably could have you put in the work. You got the size, too. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> you got a little bit of work to do, but I think you could do it. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I'm already 26. I don't know too many people that would want a 26-year-old with no college experience or high school experience <laughs> or middle school experience playing basketball. <laughs> But fair enough. But you know, I, I could just be the intimidating big guy that like runs out on the court. The enforcer. <laughs> yeah, they could just put me in to like tackle people <laughs> for those or to fight people. <laughs> You'll lead the continent of Europe in technical fouls. <laughs> like you see him, he's their best player. Go take him out. Oh man, yeah, just like in hockey, the enforcer. Um. <laughs> uh, but let's uh let's move to that to that Vanderbilt game from uh the Vanderbilt game from last night. Uh you yeah, wanna take the lead on that one? A little fresher in my memory so I can give some better yeah. thoughts and analysis on that. Well go ahead. So like the first half it was weird because it felt like we played good in the first five minutes and the last five minutes, but the middle ten minutes we just didn't know what to do. Yeah, like the announcer like, said, you know, you had bootstrained a three in, in like the first minute of the game and the last minute and a half. And they said all the time in between was rough. 
Yeah. And I, I think that's credit to Vanderbilt's coach, Jerry Stackhouse. And he was always a really good up and coming coach in the NBA for uh, Toronto's G League team. Like, I remember when he got the job there, and that team had a lot of success in the G League. And I thought he was going to easily get a job in the NBA, but he's gone back to the college ranks. And it's always scary to play against Jerry Stackhouse. And we we heard that from the announcers. We heard that after the game from uh, Henry Coleman and a bunch of our players. Yeah, I saw that. And so they they played well, and they mixed it up offensively and gave us some issues. But luckily, we also have a very good coach in Buzz Williams who's able to go toe-to-toe with Stackhouse, and we did not get out coached that game when it came down to it in the end. Yeah, he made the adjustments that were necessary at halftime because you see the difference in performance in the first half and the second half. I mean, we we outscored them a lot more in the second half. You see, we just had a lot more success uh, down the stretch. Yeah, and, and I really do think that three before halftime was big. Yeah. It felt like... You know, in football, when you score a touchdown right before half and you get the ball in the second half as well. Yeah. It felt like one of those things where, you know, you don't really get the ball in the second half, but knowing we had that large crowd and student section in the second half, that's almost like having an extra touchdown. Well, I yeah, know, I, I agree because, like... He used to tell the Reed Rowdies that a good crowd in Reed Arena was worth 10 points. So that's <laughs> the kind of crowd we had last night. Yeah, and I mean, the, uh, you know, 27 to 34 and 30 to 34, it just, 30 to 34 just sounds better. I I don't know, like, like, you know, seven points and four points is a big difference. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you're you're in the same decade, so it does feel better when it's like that. (laughs) Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, um... Yeah, I gotta give a shout out to Anderson Garcia though. He's kind of been one of the punching bags for me this season. Where you know if something goes wrong, I just blame him or Andre Gordon. But not last night. No, last night I will say, pretty good game. Um, he eight. had like his, his moments, you know, where eight he deserved to get yelled at by me at, when I was yelling at the TV. But we had Julius Marble get into foul trouble and foul out, and he came in here, got some quality boards for us that we really needed and you know he filled his role perfectly last night and that's all you can ask for from a guy like him so props to him and uh and coleman stepped up big too when marvel had to go out as well uh with 18 points i know you know they're they're both bigs but it's like you know he played the role of the primary big <laughs> marvel yeah. goes out so um that was nice to see him turn in 18 points on six and nine shooting he had six rebounds as well yeah, I mean, defensively, we had a much better second half. And I I know they scored pretty much the same amount of points in the second half, but it just felt better. Their starters were pretty much shut down offensively. I know they they had a couple of their starters coming on off the bench, but, you know, even the guys they started, like most of them did nothing offensively. And really their only offensive stud was the guy who just went off from three, had the best three-point shooting day of his life. Oh yeah, um, that guy off the bench. Uh, yeah, I don't even Stute. want to say his name because all they did was ooze about him in the commentary booth. I got sick of hearing his name. I don't want to hear it again. 
Stoot, stoot, stoot. <laughs> I think no, that's what they say. Stooty is what they say. Stooty. <laughs> oh my god. I, I got so sick of hearing his name. I'm like, <laughs> come on. They're, they're losing. Uh, Thomas, their, their guy Thomas was 3 of 9 from 3 as well. Yeah. I feel like every time we play Vanderbilt, some random scrub goes off on us and the <laughs> commentators just ooze about him the entire game. <laughs> just ooze these compliments. I'm just like, come on. It's Vanderbilt. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, oh, one thing, one thing though that uh, did not impress me from A then last night was uh, the free throw line. What happened? You know, sixty three point nine percent for the free throw line. Usually we've been pretty solid uh, from there this year, but uh, not quite as good of a performance last night. Uh, particularly from uh, from Boots, who I think the announcers jinxed him because they were like, "Oh, you know, he made all of his free throws last week, and then he promptly missed one." And then, uh, but he was four for eight from free throws, which, you know, is a little bit of an off night, but maybe he's just coming down from his high in that Auburn game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, like we said, it's a streaky team this year. <laughs> and 14 points, that's not too bad. And we still had our best players in Coleman, Taylor, and Radford you know, being our leading scores all in double digits. And I think as long as you see that, we're going to be doing okay. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it was still – it's – the thing is, is um, we won the game. That's what matters in the end. Yeah, Just as long point. as we keep as long as long we keep winning, then the whole bracketology thing, everything, it takes care of itself. But we have to keep winning. <laughs> yeah, Lenardi – after the game, Lenardi did put us in. Uh, we might have got knocked out by the end of the night. Yeah, I don't know. Did Nevada win? I think that was... I don't know. It, it doesn't really matter. Like, bracketology at the same time, at this point in the season, it's like, who cares? I like the whole campaign to not rank us, too, because when we got ranked earlier this year, that was when we lost all those games. <laughs> so, you know... I like I like being ranked, though, because then when I'm on the ESPN app tracking scores, like the A&M score appears on the top 25 tab... Oh, I just yeah, I just keep it under the SEC tab, and then there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> well, I'm usually checking other other leagues like the Big East. I check a lot of Big East scores, and I also check Big Twelve, and I just check a lot of random scores too. I got you, I got you. But uh, I guess we'll go ahead um, since we can go ahead and preview Arkansas real quick too. Um, that's on Tuesday. <laughs> It's the Anderson Garcia revenge game. <laughs> was, right. it Garcia, it, was it Garcia? Was it Garcia? Is he from Arkansas or is it KK Robinson? It's KK Robinson. Oh, never mind. KK Robinson revenge game. Yeah, um, they uh, they should put him in to dribble out the clock as we get our W. <laughs> okay, don't 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 jinx it. Arkansas is a tough opponent. No, no, I know. I just like to be overly confident. It's more fun that way. But. Um, but the but yeah Arkansas Arkansas at home in particular too they have they have a very large arena and you know there's not really much else to do in Arkansas so <laughs> they'll uh, they support their teams um, very well too they travel well too like their fan base I will say that about Arkansas yeah and of course and if Tyler if you're listening to this then you're going down 
question. But we're not and you better not be at the game, Tyler. You better be studying because we need you to graduate. <laughs> we're, we're also not jinxing it by saying we're definitely going to win. It's not a jinx. It's not a jinx. It's just a fact. We're, we're, we're just saying <laughs> there's no jinx involved because that's how it works. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but looking uh, – ESPN, according to ESPN Analytics, Arkansas has a 71.2% um, chance to win. What do you say to it's that? It's on the road, Charlie? isn't it? What? It's a game on the road, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, that's what I've noticed is that it does, it just seems to really like not matter um, about the balancing of the teams. It's just all based off of home and away. But um, if you look at points per game, field goal percentage, all that stuff, it's all pretty much dead even uh, across the board. I mean, points per game for A&M, 74.6. Points per game for Arkansas, 74.5. I mean, field goal percentage is like 45 and 47%. I mean, there's not really much difference there other than we're on a two-win streak. They're on a one-losing streak. Um, I think it'll be a pretty good matchup. Uh, particularly since it's on the road. Um, Arkansas looking to get back on track, us looking to keep rolling. Uh, top scorer for Arkansas is Ricky Council. He averages 17.2 points per game. Uh has got to look out for. Yeah. Uh, yeah, our leading scorer is uh, Wade Taylor with 14.8 points per game. In case you were wondering. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, um, we just got to play our brand of basketball and we, and not, uh, not let the crowd affect us too much. You know, we got to keep playing slow. I think what happens when we try to play fast, a lot of times, if we try to, if, if we play a team that plays fast, like Kentucky and we get out of our rhythm, then a lot of times that tends to, to mess us up when we slow the game down and get the ball in the paint and use all of the shot clock and get those low-scoring games in the 50s and the 60s. Those are the ones that we have a better shot to win. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Yeah, Arkansas is one of the better teams defensively, so it's going to be... It'll be one of those slugfests. <laughs> it's going to be a slugfest. It's probably, it might be an ugly game like Florida, which so I be think like, is better for us because I think our players like those games. Yeah. We don't, we don't get frustrated by, you know... Getting gritty because that's the culture Buzz is built, you know, celebrating, you know, three stops in a row with the turkeys, turkeys. and all the Supermans diving on the floor and all and all the all the weird terminology that Buzz Williams has come up, up with in his in his <laughs> weird and infinite wisdom of coaching expertise. I love I love the whole turkey thing, by the way, and I love that the rowdies have gotten into it and they all have like turkey hats and stuff. <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's fun. I think it's funny because Buzz came from Virginia Tech, so it almost just looks like a bunch of Virginia Tech fans invading our student section. <laughs> that's probably, you know, that's probably why he called it a turkey originally. No, it, no, it's <laughs> called a turkey because it's like a bowling thing. You get three stops in a row. It's like three uh, strikes in a row. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. Um, also, uh, with ties to Virginia Tech, did you notice um, Boots had his uh, for the breast cancer game? He had the old uh, his old Virginia Tech advisor's last name on his jersey. I actually didn't even notice that. Yeah, so they they asked him about it after the game, and he said it was a gift from the A&M Athletic Department, and he's going to sign it and send it to her. He was close with um, his academic advisor there because he really struggled, like, getting his grades up, I think, when he went there originally. 
when uh, Buzz was there. So, pretty cool story behind that. Um, with the uh, breast cancer game being uh, last night. Um, yeah. And so, what else I wanted to talk about was you may have seen the tweet from the from the Red Dirt Aggie Show account um, about uh, Hardy's new album, uh, the the Mockingbird and the Crow. And uh, me and Joey, we listened to it. <laughs> and... Yes. So I, I, you know, follow the Red Dirt Aggie Show on Twitter, like everyone should. Yeah. At TRD Aggie so I, Show. I read the tweet, and I, I like country music, but I like rock music more. So when I see, oh yeah, if you like, you know, hard rock, alternative rock, and any combination of that with country music, then you might want to check this out. So I'm like, okay, I'll I'll check this out. So I, <laughs> I listen to it. I, I was mostly listening because I was curious how the rock music would, would go with the country stuff. And so I do what I always do when I first listen to an album. I start with the first track and go straight down the list. And I'll, let me tell you, I wasn't <coughs> a good start with liking the album because I see you got these weird lowercase words and all that. I'm like, I, I, I really don't like when artists do that. You know, just make the words look normal. So I, I didn't like that. And then I start listening to the music. I'm like, I see Morgan Wall and Lady Wilson like, is this just going to be, this just sounds like Nashville country and these are just country people. But you see, that's like, the genius of the album because when you get further in. <laughs> yeah. And then I finally get to the Mockingbird and the Crow and it clicks. I'm like, oh, now it all makes sense. Yeah. Especially, with, especially with like Here Lies country music beforehand. It all kind of yes. ties together. Yeah. because. So, He's... Then I had to like go back to the start to not like be pissed off at Brian for not knowing what alternative rock is <laughs> for like eight and a half songs. <laughs> and then I like... thought you didn't know what alternative rock actually was, to be quite honest. <laughs> no, so the whole the whole is a concept album basically because you have. Um... All the all the songs are in lowercase that are country, and then when it starts to get more rock, they become uppercase. And the Mockingbird and the Crow is written the Mockingbird and in lowercase, and then the Crow in uppercase. And um, it's cool because you have all these country songs, and then you get to the Mockingbird and the Crow, and it starts off country, and he's talking about how he's the Mockingbird. He's been imitating all these songs in Nashville and what sounds good and what people have told him sounds good and stuff. And then he's like, you know, screw that. I'm going to do whatever I want. And then he starts like singing in rock. And you're like, whoa, this is cool. <laughs> I don't know if you oh, have the yeah. same reaction. It, it, it's, it's really cool. And I, I really like the, the Mockingbird and the Crow song as a whole. Yeah. The first half is good. And the second half is good. And they're good for two completely different reasons, in my opinion. Well, yeah. What are those two reasons? <laughs> well, I like the first half a lot because it gives me a lot of like – Mumford and Sons vibes. If you go to like their their third and fourth albums, uh, um, they're, they're, it's just like you know you got like these subtle little harmonies as he's singing and like a country version of those albums basically. And then you get into the rock part and, and it's finally like okay, this is what Brian was talking about with the alternative rock. Yeah, and then um, I liked I enjoyed Sold Out too. The next song I thought that was cool um 
truck bed I thought was in a weird place on the album because it definitely seems more like a country song, <laughs> like a Nashville country song. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's close enough, though, with the second half and, and the vibe of the second half that it makes sense. And then 30-06 kind of cracked me up because it's like a redneck breakup song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, there, there's some funny songs in the second half. Yeah, like 30-06, it sounded like um, it, it sounded like Nickelback, but with redneck lyrics <laughs> to me. Like, yes, 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 yes. That's exactly it. <laughs> but he's basically, uh, without spoiling too much of the song, basically his girlfriend breaks up with him for hunting too much. <laughs> so yeah. he's talking about his rifle, you know. There's a lot of hunting stuff going on, like kill shit till I die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's another good one. Oh, radio song, too. That That's kind of oh, the whole man. premise, too. That's a really good one. Yeah, because you're like, oh, this is like... He's basically, you know, roasting the whole, like, Nashville country. <laughs> this is a radio song. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, give it a listen. Um, some of, Even some of the listen country songs Don't in the beginning. What? Listen, you gotta listen in order. You can't shuffle the music. Yeah, and it, it almost, like, uh, it kind of does, like, tell a story if you listen to the whole thing, too. Because it's almost like, you know, it... You could twist it to tell a story. <laughs> you definitely could. You definitely could. Because, you know, who's to say he doesn't meet the girl on the way in the truck, you know, and then uh, breaks up with her in 30-06? <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I will say it is ironic that – it's going to be ironic that the most popular tracks are probably going to be the, the country songs on the album and not probably the rock songs you wanted to change it up with. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know which ones are. I I actually enjoyed the rock ones more, I think, than the uh, than some of the country ones. I did like um, I and Country though, in the country section. I thought that one was pretty solid. And Wait in the Truck Drink is one for decent. me was pretty good. I liked that one a lot. Uh, Wait in the Truck was decent too. It's although it's kind of like it, it it is a little bit of an odd placement on the album because it's like kind of has like beer drinking songs like on either side of it, and then it's just like. That one's kind of depressing, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but you know they're they're all pretty solid songs for their own reasons. Uh, the redneck song, the last song on there is uh, is pretty funny too. <laughs> if you're looking yeah, for a got, song that mentions truck nuts, vibes for me, it's got what some Toby Keith vibes. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, nothing wrong with Toby Keith, but you know, yeah, it's it's got he the has his, he has a stick. Yeah, it's got like the whole like. Kind of almost like white trash redneck country song vibes. If you want a song that mentions truck nuts, that's the song for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd love to go see Hardy play in concert. All the songs, I feel like that'd be a hell of a concert. Yeah, he's playing in Houston in May, um, opening for Morgan Wallen. Um, but the issue was with the whole like resale value of tickets. There was a whole like ordeal with that concert and the tickets are being resold by scalpers for like $500 and stuff. It's ridiculous. Morgan Wallen's like just about the biggest name in music, country music right now. Yeah, I know. Well, he's, he's, um, he's blowing up again. <laughs> you know, since he's about as hot as a name as you can get when it comes to country tickets right now. Yeah, I know. Um, it's cause he's touring again Yeah, and it's a big, we, we got, we got to find, one where like a show he's just playing himself 
down here maybe eventually maybe not because he's maybe i guess he's nashville isn't he he's not texas but what hardy yeah well i mean hardy um he yeah he's nashville he's he's from mississippi is what i get from from the album but yeah he's (laughs) tell me if he's ever in texas somewhere we gotta go see this concert because i bet it's yeah, be I bet it's I bet it's sick because <laughs> you it, know, it, yeah, it's probably a sick concert. Like, well, well, I think he should. Um, I think he should tour with Co Wetzel because they kind of have the similar like rock slash punk rock slash country vibe. <laughs> but um, like, I think him and Co Wetzel would have would have a fun concert. <laughs> oh, you yeah, for sure. Well, I, I think all those country guys are they're they're good buddies and. You know, you, you watch, like, the CMAs, and they all just sing songs together, it seems like, and they all have a good time. Yeah. Um, and I guess that brings us to uh, – I got to come up with, with three three songs of the week here real quick. Um, and I usually just kind of pick uh, random ones I've been listening to. Well, I'll, I'll add – we'll do um, Mockingbird and the Crow. That's yeah, one you got to have that one. That's, like, the epitome of the <laughs> album. It, it just – Represents the album so good, and so I'm gonna do right, Mockingbird right the Crow by Hardy. For, this is a, an early contender for album of the year for me for 2023. Yeah, like no, I I've kind of been stuck listening to it for like uh, my my buddy actually told me about it. Um, he's a uh, he's a musician himself, August Man. We're gonna have him on uh, at some point. Um, but he's the one who actually told me about it and how cool it was. And, um, so I've been, I've been jamming it ever since then and it hasn't really come off of like the radio in my car when I'm in my truck when I'm driving places. But, um, but so yeah, we're going to do Mockingbird and the Crow. Um, and then let's see, let's try to find another, another good song here. So what's been determined, um, is that. I'm not doing three songs of the week this week, guys. We're just going to say, go listen to this album. Um, it's the album of the week. And I'll, I'll just add the whole album to the, to the songs of the week playlist that I've created. Uh, and it'll be linked on our social media pages. But go listen to it. Uh, listen to it in order. Keep in mind that it does start off country and then goes rock. So don't be expecting like one or the other at the beginning like Joey did. <laughs> or you'll be confused. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I, I legit skipped a couple of the songs in the first half, and I'm like, "Where's where's the rock in this?" But yeah, I, I didn't. I went back and I've listened to the whole thing straight through, and I appreciate the country songs a lot more now. Yeah, and then so so thanks for listening to the Red Dirt Aggie Show. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, look out in, coming up in February too. Um, I have uh, at some point this month, most likely around Valentine's Day, we'll be dropping. Uh, the interview that I did with uh, the Weathered Souls. They're an awesome Texas group. They've opened for Whiskey Myers and stuff. And they're uh, they're super nice guys. I talked to them for a while. Uh, and that interview will be dropping later this month. So thanks for listening. Gigam and God bless. This episode of the Red Dirt Aggie Show was presented by Heritage Pools. Give them a call at 281-896-5061 today.